this is the Journey Tale podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Tanati. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination, to find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs. It's in that, it's in those moments that really makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of her own. Jessica Yatrovsky is a New York City-based photographer. She's a filmmaker. She's an author. She's known for work that's exploring body politics, beauty, and gender. Please help me welcome Jessica to the show. Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You know what? Like that was just a long list of things I felt like that you juggle. Is there one particular project of yours or one particular hat, if you will, that's Mm -hmm. your baby, that's that's your passion? I feel like a through line of all of my work is that I'm an activist. I'm an artist and all art is a form of activism. I truly believe that. And I think that, you know, I consider myself a multidisciplinary artist and they call that like multi-hyphenate now. And they're coming up with more crazy ways of describing what it is we do. But I've always firmly believed that with whatever creative endeavor I take on, it's the medium that dictates what, or the idea that dictates the medium that I'm going to work in. Even though I'm primarily known for my film and photographic work and my writing, I'm actually an artist that was formally trained in painting and sculpture at a young age. So I kind of, you know, um, hopped around to all the different mediums. And that's why I say the idea dictates the medium. And then I just work in that medium to express what I'd like to express. How do you find your inspiration? Oh, well, you know, one of my main sources of inspiration is really cinema. I love film. Um, I've always loved film since I was a child. Um, Even though when I moved back to New York or back to the East Coast, I should say, I didn't have a television for a really long time, which is like a really snobby thing. New Yorkers say like, I don't have a television. Well, I love TV. It's just that when I first moved back to New York, I was so busy. I didn't have a television. I wasn't able to sit down and watch all the movies and shows and things like that. But when I was really young, I had begged my parents for a a TV, like in my bedroom, which was like a big no-no. And they finally let me have this television And I was just obsessed with watching like Nick at night. And I would watch all the old black and white shows like car 54, where are you? And like the Patty Duke show and the twilight zone. So I always thought cinema was, and that's not necessarily considered cinema, but just television in general, I would find that those storylines and um, just like cinema verte, like it would take me into like a different space and, and also painting was always very inspiring to me as a a young person. I used to tell my mom, I want to move to New York City and become Picasso, which is, I don't want to be Picasso now. I'd rather be like a Louis Bourgeois or, you know, George O'Keefe. Like I I have other role models now. That's interesting that you talk about your childhood. At what age was it when you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have a, a, a unique gift here and let me explore this. Wow. I think you would have to ask my parents, but as far back as I can remember, I loved drawing and painting, but most kids did, I think. 
because we start with crayons and then finger paints and all of that. But I just knew that I was obsessed with recording, recording the world. And um, contrary to popular belief, I didn't even get into photography until much later on in, in college. Um, I got reje rejected from uh, taking photography classes in, in high school because they're hard to get into because the supplies are expensive. And so I just stuck with painting and, you know, kept studying painting through high school and drawing and, and sculpture even. And I remember there was this point where um, when I was, I would have to say maybe seven, eight, nine my father gave me a video camera. So not a camera, but a video camera. And um, he used to tell me, you have a really good eye. You have a great eye. Why don't you, you know, record the family? So I'm not in a lot of our home videos <laughs> because I'm doing the recording. And he was somebody that really kept me, um, you know, he kind of pointed out and threw into sharp relief for me that, I had some type of talent or way that I looked at the world that was worth exploring. So without really like pushing me directly in any, you know, direction, he just simply offered me a tool. And when it came to my mother, she just knew I really liked to be creative and um, always doing things. I don't know if you're, do you remember the magazine highlights? when we were kids. Yeah. 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 So it was like a lot of, um, building and, and, um, assembling things. So she just kept me busy with that stuff. But again, they didn't really direct me or tell me what or what not to do. They just recognized that these were the things that I was interested in and, um, let me continue being my weird little self locked in my bedroom creating art, you know, <laughs> painting, drawing. And, and, and also, I mean, I played the piano when I was younger. So what I would consider more like introverted activities, but that really helped me create this sort of inner creativity, like these inner imaginative spaces that I was able to occupy. And then, you know, as I got older, um, felt like, Oh, I had spent so much time building the skill set. I didn't even realize what I was doing, but what I was working on was observing. Hmm. Wow. Isn't that interesting how things that we do in our childhood really does, really truthfully does prepare you in adulthood. And a lot of times you really don't realize that until you are an adult and you're like, wow, now I know why this happened. And then yeah. that happened because it led me to this. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. I think that, you know, as a woman, I would say too, and I have to bring in my gender because yeah. I feel like growing up, um, women are sort of conditioned to kind of like hang back, even be invisible as possible, not speak out, at least the generation that I, you know, that I'm part of. Um, when I was much younger, it wasn't encouraged to speak out or speak up or um, interrupt, or even if I knew the right answer to a question in class, I wouldn't even raise my hands, you know, and I would witness like the boys would be, you know, shouting out the answers. And I think that um, what I realized that I had a ability just because of how we've been socially constructed that I was able to take the role as an observer and observed what was going on around me. And that's why I kind of maintain this idea that with artists, particularly um, female photographers, 
we kind of naturally have this like documentary sensibility about us because we've been able to blend in or even be invisible at times where we can just observe, we can record, we can document. And I actually think that women are the great archivists. They're the great like arbiters of history in so many ways. Absolutely. Speaking of women, um, I know feminism in art is a big part of your platform. Tell us why this is important to you. Well, first of all, I believe in equality and I believe in equity. And I think that being engaged with other women and other um, groups of people that have been systematically just left out of the equation, specifically when it comes to art, is something that I feel like was why I launched uh, a feminist collective called New York Femme Factory. And I traveled to different cities, different, um, different parts of the country, and even different parts of the world. And I was hosting these poetry readings where I would invite people from the community, from that community, you know, whatever city I was in to come and read their work. And what was really interesting about that is if you've ever been to a town hall, I mean, they're really enlightening. If you've been, ever been to a town hall with women, that a diverse group of women, it's very powerful. Yeah, it's very powerful. And you're like, wow, like, I mean, I've lived in major cities my whole life. So I feel more um, in tune with what's going on. But you're never fully aware of what's actually going on. Like, you're just never going to absorb all of that. So I thought with um, my privilege and my platform, I'm able to bring people together that wouldn't otherwise be together and hear them communicate their stories through either their music, through their poetry, through their spoken word um, performances. And that's something that has been really enlightening for me and I felt really passionate about. And I have hosted some um, in conversation, you know, panels during Art Basel. And um, I did a series with the Soho House where we did some panel discussions about body politics, beauty, and gender, and just trying to facilitate conversations that are both educational and inspiring. And in terms of feminism, educating people that, you know, feminist issues are human issues. It's not just about women. It's about everybody. It's about society. So the more and more I can share that message and be really inclusive and inviting. I think the more um, people are going to, you know, want to be involved, want to ask questions, not feel um, excluded or not feel like they can't answer the conversation or ask questions or even take part in, in what, um, what I'm building, at least with my collective. So I mainly am um, working with other women but I, my main area of interest is including uh, intersectional women, uh, BIPOC artists, LGBTQIA+. So giving those folks a platform, I think is really important. I myself, I'm Jewish and of, um, I'm Ashkenazi. So it's very important for me to be like sharing my experiences with others. So I think that, you know, the more we connect, we, we actually have more in common than we have uh, differences. So I just, I love being able to use art as a way 
to connect and to educate. And that's why I always talk about how art is activism. Like as soon as you put pencil to paper, like that is a, an, that's action, that's active, that's activism. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, I hope you realize how special and important your gift is to the world. I am not an artist. I've always been the one who I wish I was able to draw if I were able to draw and I, I've tried when I was a kid and I just wasn't able to do so. So it's so beautiful to hear, you know, and see your work and see how passionate you are about it. Um, I think it's just absolutely amazing. Well, you are an activist. You're using your voice. I mean, you're bringing people together through your podcast. I was listening to one of your episodes the other night um, and that was, it inspired me. Like, I felt like I wanted to do more just like listening to your conversation. So you're, you're an artist. <laughs> In a different way. I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. So your work, your work is part of a permanent collection with the Leslie Lohman Museum of Gay and Lesbian Art. How does that feel for you? Have you ever, have you taken that in that you actually have um, a body of work that is permanently embedded and on display in a museum? Well, I feel very proud because that's an institution that has been around for some time and has been an advocate for artists, for the queer community, and has not always, you know, that community has not always been embraced and is still battling, um, you know, homophobia, xenophobia, and also just, you know, artists that aren't, aren't often um, put in the forefront or like artists we see at auction houses or in major museums. So I really love Leslie Lohman and what that museum has, um, the, the, the culture that they've been able to keep within New York City and the artists that have cycled through with exhibitions and just their collection in general is very diverse. So to be part of that collection and to have something that's a little bit um, like I was surprised, but they acquired one of my uh, film pieces and film is something that you don't often think, oh, that's like a, something you would collect and see in a museum. So like they're very progressive. They're very forward thinking. And, you know, they've collected um, some photographs as well. So to be able to see those in, um, you know, in a in a show with people that I admired growing up is just very, very humbling. Absolutely. That's, you know, you've been able to experience so much. I want to dabble and talk about your film experience a bit mm -hmm. here. I know that you have attended many film festivals in the past. Is there a takeaway and experience that you can share with the audience for those who have never been able to experience that, um, that you can provide of what you've experienced that you've gotten from attending a festival? Well, first of all, I'm a huge film I, a cinephile is what we call it, but we, you know, for your audience, maybe they don't know what that is. My mom doesn't even know what it is. <laughs> it's yeah. a film buff. We love yeah. movies. So I love all movies. Like I remember getting in, in a weird conversation with um, a girl once and we were talking about, um, I was like, oh my God, have you seen this film? It's the best. It's the best. And it was like a silly rom-com. And she was like, oh, I only see cinema. And I was like, oh, we're not going to be able to be friends because I... <laughs> I see everything. No, it was like, I was like, that's a non-negotiable for friendship because I see everything. Like I see serious films. I see funny films. I love reality television. Like I just love it all. But I would say, you know, 
going to film festivals is, is really fun. I'm actually seeing a movie tonight, which I'm really excited about. Um, a friend of mine is visiting and we're going to, uh, one of those, uh, movie theaters where you can like eat and watch a movie. So, so I was like, Oh, I'm so excited. This is going to be the best day I'm talking to you. And then I'm going to see a film. And, um, it's been hard because with the pandemic, we haven't been able to go out and have that experience. And if yeah. you have seen a movie in New York, our audience is very active. Like they clap, they woo, they like, they're really into the film going experience, at least in Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't know what it's like, you know, on the Upper East Side, but I do know in Brooklyn, we were very active and participate in, you know, film viewing. But I will say as somebody who's, who's made films and um, made like, you know, short form um, sort of vignettes, like I make a lot of vignettes. I do a lot of screen tests. If anybody is familiar with Andy Warhol's screen test, he had a major influence on me when I was a young artist, and I still bring that through my work now. And then um, I can't remember which year it was now because it's been so long, but I directed a film called Sun in My Mouth, and it was a short film, and I had a screening for it, and then I screened it in a few festivals. And I remember thinking, like, that piece was just a very meditative piece. It was a short black and white film. It followed one character's journey, and um, it was, like, a, a queer film. And I, I didn't give much thought to it in terms of, I want somebody to feel this. I'm making this for like that kind of reaction. It was more of like how I would execute a project. Like if I was writing poetry, right? Like I just kind of laid it out and said, I, I want to see this and I want to work with the actor like that. And I want to capture this and that. And, um, it was, it was more like for me than anything, like it was like this, you know, selfish expression, if you will. And when I screened that film, I would have people come up to me after and there was one person who sticks out in my mind in particular and the um the subject of of the film is a, a man and um I had this young man come up to me after I had screened that film and said and it was like you know with like tears in his eyes and said I don't know um, how you were able to capture like that's my experience in the world like I I identify with this main character and it was such a touching moment. And I thought like, wow, like people are really uh, paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's like, you start with, with a kernel of an idea of something that, that you want to express that you want to put out in the world. And when you're so in the zone, and this is why I tell artists, don't follow trends, just follow your intuition, follow what you're interested in. And I'm telling you the more unpopular your work is, the more likely it is to come into vogue later on. So, I mean, I was very unpopular for a very long time and I go in and out of popularity like constantly throughout my career and then people circle around and when things become more mainstream, then they discover an old film or an old set of images or some Polaroids and they go, oh, wow, you know, especially even with like the body positivity stuff. Like I was taking pictures of bodies that people did not want to see a while back and now that's coming back into style or not coming back in, coming into style for the first time. So I think, um, yeah, just to circle back on your question about film, I think that, you know, to have made small pieces and coming from my heart and that they can connect with other people 
is just uh, such a, like, it's a gift for me. Like, I feel very, very fortunate to be able to make something that can connect with an audience. Absolutely. What's three tips, three tips you can provide to someone who may be watching or listening to us right now. That's an artist. So I am going to quote someone who I love, whose name is Mike Mongo. And he always says, do what you love with who you love and help others. And I feel like those can be broken down into three tips. Absolutely. That was great. What's next? What's next for you? I, I recently um, finished a second collection of poetry. So I, I, have, I have four books. Um, the first two books I published with uh, Penguin Random House. One was called I Heart Boy and the other was called I Heart Girl and sort of survey photography. And those were photography monographs. And then after that, I had published a book of poetry called Pink Privacy. And then I most recently finished my second book of poetry called Golden Throne, spelled T-H-R-O-W-N, like Golden Throne. And um, so that was going to come out this fall, but I pushed it back because I have this um, project, I Heart Girl, (laughs) that is having a comeback this year. And it's having a comeback through these um, decentralized platforms, which people are knowing as NFT platforms. And I have a partnership with Coinbase NFT, and I am the first female photographer to partner with Coinbase. And I'm releasing a collection of these photographs from that book on November 11th. I don't know when this is airing, but it's very, very soon that will be out. And so it's very cool because it's like, This work has existed for a while now, but now it's having this digital renaissance that I couldn't be more happy to have out there and have a completely new audience sort of indoctrinated into what it is I've been doing. Wow, that's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. That is wonderful. What do you do for yourself? How do you dive in deep? Um, internally so that you're able to stay grounded and be able to give yourself to the world in all these different capacities? Well, I'm struggling with that right now because I just moved. So to stay grounded has been quite the challenge. Um, Having alone time, I think, is the most important thing I can give to myself when I can give it to myself. Um, I practice transcendental meditation. So I'm a TMer. I meditate as much as I can, but I've, I have been off my game for some time now. And I think that, you know, it's the little things, like if you could just do something kind for yourself or say something kind to yourself, that's been the best way that I've been able to do self-care. I mean, a, a mask, a long shower, a scream into a pillow. Like, I mean, I have a a trampoline, like a little mini trampoline out on, on my, um, on my deck. So I'll just go out in between meetings and just jump on it just to like bring joy into my body to get my, my blood flowing and my lymphatic system and send the blood to my brain and, you know, and, and anything to help me feel grounded, like warm foods, especially going into the winter and 
like, I know this is so cliche, but just breathing, like I forget to breathe all the time. So when I feel stressed, I just return to my breath and, and also return to just like my essence. Like there's always this talk about intuition, but we can't really call on the right answers forever, whatever it is we're doing in life, unless we can quiet down and like ask that inner voice, what do I want? What do I need? And sometimes you're like, I need chocolate. So um, <laughs> quiet down the inner voice and find out what, what you yeah. want for dinner. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Can you finish this sentence for me? I am a multi-hyphenate artist, apparently. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> and a master of learning who can control my own Oh, I don't think I'm in control. <laughs> I love it. You're saying I can't control anything. Mm -mm. Okay. And I am in control of nothing. I love it. I love that answer. That was great. I would like to wrap with a segment that I call tell and tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. What is something that you can tell us about yourself that you have not yet shared with the world? A secret, if you will. Oh, um, I am a closet speed cuber. I solve the Rubik's cube. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, if someone wants to follow you on your journey, how do they go about doing so? So all of my handles are the same across pretty much every platform. It's at J Yatrovsky. So it's my first initial and my full last name. It's very long, but if you just start to type in J Y A T, a picture, a black and white photo of me will probably pop up somewhere. I'm thank on, I'm on all the platforms. Thank you so much for being on the show. Your energy is amazing. It's contagious. It's magnetic. It's beautiful. I really appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate what you're doing in this world, the way that you're touching lives. Your impact is amazing. So please keep walking in this journey the way you're doing it as you're doing a magnificent, magnificent job. Thank you so much. And your energy, you're just like beaming out of the other side of the screen. And so I appreciate you, you know, taking the afternoon to chat. Absolutely. I would love to have you on again. You're absolutely amazing. Again, thank you. Thanks so much. Well, that is it for this episode of the Journey Told Show. I'm going to leave you with words that my father would so often say to me, and that's to be the best version of you that you can be. Until next time, folks, let that sizzle in your spirit. <laughs>